Hey, you guys can be seated. Uh, you all look wonderful today. Again, if you're watching online, as Kevin said, uh, feel free to hit the share button. Um, feel free to comment, put some emojis there, uh, like it, just don't put a mad face, all right? That's, that's all I'm asking for that. Um, I'm going to kind of just dive into to today and uh, just kind of share with you guys. And I believe that today's message is one of those messages that really speaks to what we're going through uh, as a nation right now. And, and I want to kind of lead off, this is not a political message. We don't believe in preaching politics from the pulpit. Uh, but it is something that I know uh, will, I believe, resonate with a lot of us because of what our country has been through, not just in 2020, but for hundreds of years uh, leading up to where we are today. And I really do believe that there is hope for humanity. And, and that hope is Jesus Christ. And I believe that he wants to come and he wants to heal and he wants to speak and he wants to bring unity to the body of Christ, but also unity to all people. And so we've been in this series called Kingdom Culture. And, and Kingdom Culture is really this, this big idea of like, we live in a world um, and we are not a part of the world, but we are called to be in the world, right? Uh, um, and, and so with everything that's happened in 2020 and before that, I, I think that we are all, as Christ followers, faced with this dilemma or faced with, with uh, what is our response to society, what is our response to humanity, what is our response to everything that's going on. And so what we've been doing is we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is Jesus teaching all about the kingdom of God. And so we started out with the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And then Jesus shifts the narrative and he puts it back onto the disciples and onto the people who were in the crowd listening to him. And he says, blessed are you when, and then he turns and almost points his finger and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And the whole time Jesus has got one point with all of this is that we can sit here and we can look at Christianity as a bunch of rules of this is what to do and this is not what to do. Or we can allow God and Jesus to really speak to our heart and to transform our heart. And we've said this from day one is that Jesus is not about behavior modification. He is about heart transformation. He is about coming in, speaking to the, the dark areas of our heart, speaking to the wounded areas of our heart, offering there for, to be forgiveness and healing and restoration, and then to transform our heart. And out of a pure, renewed heart centered in Jesus Christ, then our behavior and our actions reflect that. And so he gives these six examples the first one we started with was anger. And we talked about how Jesus said, you've heard that thou shalt not murder, but I tell you, if you have anger in your heart, you have murder in your heart. And so he kind of draws this like, this is what you think. I want to take it much deeper. I want to speak to the heart of the issue. And then after that, Kevin preached last week. Y'all give it up for Kevin. Um. I just need to not even preach anymore with, you know, Kevin preaching. And so, uh, but Kevin talked about adultery and divorce, and, and those two are kind of coupled together. 
And then today I want to kind of finish out the last three of these six examples. So we're actually going to get through Matthew chapter 5. It's only taken us eight weeks. But uh, we're, I want to finish out these three examples. And then we continue on with the Sermon on the Mount next week, which uh, starts to lead into the Lord's Prayer. And I'm really excited about that. So if you got your scripture, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 30, 33. I don't have my Bible, and so I'm going to use my smartphone. I've actually misplaced my Bible. Um, yes, I'm admitting that to you, and it's, uh, I have no idea where it is. And so if you want to pray for my Bible to appear, it's probably at my house somewhere underneath some books or dirty clothes or something like that, which I want to give it up for my wife. I'm not sure where she is. Um, Y'all give it up for my wife, and here's why. We've been doing a lot of work on the house, and... Uh, my, my, uh, my house or my office kind of turned, it turned into a guy's locker room. I don't know how else to describe it. And I came in the other day and she like cleaned it and organized it. And so honey, uh, thank you. All right, here we go. Jesus again talking. He says, again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no, anything else that comes, comes from evil or comes from the evil one uh, may be what your translation says. Simply what Jesus is saying, and we've all heard this before, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. Yeses be yes and noes be no. Now, I think we've all at some point fallen into this category where we said we would do something or we said we would be somewhere at a certain time and something has come up and we've not been able to fulfill that commitment. Has anyone? Yep. So I think every hand can raise, be raised for that and it's okay. It's all right. Um, but then probably all of us know someone who whenever they speak that they're going to do something or they're going to be somewhere or they're going to help you out with something, um, they, it's just kind of empty words, right? It's, it's, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, right? The boy who cried wolf. The story was, is, um, uh, you, you know, there's a wolf, there's a wolf, and there was never a wolf. There's a wolf, there's a wolf, there was never a wolf. And then a wolf actually came, and because he lied so many times, because he wasn't consistent in telling the truth, what happened to him is no one believed him, and he ended up getting bit by the wolf. I have had friends in my life, and it's, it's kind of funny, and I'm not going to use any of their names, but I've had friends in my life who have promised and promised and promised and swore on the Bible and swore on their life and swore on their mama and swore on their best friend's sister, you know, um, that they were going to be there, they were going to do that, they, and it was, it was literally just empty words. And some of you guys, you're probably thinking about someone right now that you know. Some of you are probably thinking about your spouse. Do not point them out this morning, all right? But like, Jesus is simply saying, let your yeses be yes and let your noes be no. 
I believe as Christians, we need to be men and women who walk in integrity. We need to be men and women who are willing to commit to the ways of Jesus Christ and allow that to really just fulfill everything inside of us so that it could go out. We need to operate from um, honesty and integrity. And, and look, Christians should be honest. Christians should be honest. Uh, we should never have to swear because we are known for telling the truth. We are known for being people who, whenever they speak, it's going to be truthful. There's a few things that personally get to me. Uh, one of them is whenever people like lie to me. I don't know if you guys are like this, but I've got like two cardinal sins, not like I'm God and they're, you know, in God's eyes, we all sin, we fall short of the glory of God, right? Um, but I've got like two cardinal sins and one of them is like whenever people intentionally lie to me, it just like cuts me and gets to me. Like, I don't care how bad the news is, just tell me the truth. Any, anyone can echo that? Like, like let's, just, let's just be honest. Michael, I hate you. Man, thank you so much for being honest with me. Because once they tell you that, then you can work on fixing it and reconciling the relationship and restoring it. But oftentimes, oftentimes we, we catch ourselves kind of um, telling these little white lies in this direction or saying one thing but really meaning something different. And look, I've totally been guilty of it too. But there are some of us, maybe you're watching today, maybe you're here this morning, I don't know, but you are known for being a person who does not walk in truthful integrity. And I want to challenge you today to do that, not because you being more truthful is going to get you in a better place in heaven, but because Christ was truthful with you, and he wants to expose any, anything that is false in your heart to purify you and to sanctify you, which we'll get to in just a moment in today's talk. But let's be men and women who walk in integrity. And something that I want to say, that, that if you struggle with this, and there have been times I've struggled with it, the best thing that you can do to be a man or woman who their yeses are yes and their noes are noes, they walk in integrity, is to be in gospel-centered community. And, and here's what I mean by that. Whenever you get in community, whenever you start gathering around in a group or gathering around in a community group or you're gathering around coffee and you start peeling back the layers of your heart to people, what happens is you have brothers and sisters who are going to be able to speak into those areas and then hold you accountable and not hold you accountable of being like, Michael, I cannot believe you did this. You're a heathen and you're going to burn in hell. Fire! You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, Michael, what were you thinking? You're better than this. And I want to help you reach that. They're going to call you to a higher standard. They're going to hold you accountable because of their love for you and because ultimately, isn't that what we're supposed to do as Christ followers? We are saved, we are called out of darkness and saved from eternal damnation to be called to the family of God, the people of God. And so I want to challenge all of us to be men and women of integrity. Let our yeses be yeses and our noes be noes. When we say we're going to be at work on a certain time, let's be at work on a certain time. When we say we're going to take on a project let's, and, and commit to it, let's take on a project and commit to it. I have a, a, a friend who's been helping us with our house, um, and I'm, I'm telling you, he was like, hey, I can be here at this time, and he was there at that time, and he worked harder than I did. And I was like, that's a person of integrity. That's a person of integrity. Continuing on. 
this, this next one, uh, really the next two is kind of where I want to camp out. All right, here we go. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the evil or the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Um, I, I think we can all agree on this statement. We live in a culture that's all about winning. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah? Like, yes, very competitive. Uh, we have the New England Patriots, which I don't even know if NFL is going to happen, right? Any Patriot fans in the house? Yeah, that, that's like, I'm going to clap quietly right there. <laughs> like, so uh, any Cowboys fans in the house? Yeah, all right. How about any Giants fans? A few of you guys? Man, I am so glad that y'all are not like, woohoo about sports right now. Anyways, but like, think about everything in our culture. It's all about winning. It's all about being competitive. It's all about being right. It's fight, 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 win, 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 be right, right, right all the time. You see this in sports. You see this politically right now. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but we're in an election year, and it's about to get really nasty. I'm just throwing that out there. But you see this politically right now. I'm going to do whatever I can to win. You even see this, right, with the church versus the state right now in America. You've got some churches who are saying, this is where I stand, and you have other churches saying that this is where I stand, and we're going to win. We're going to overthrow, not overthrow, that's the wrong word, but we're going to fight the rules that are out there and take our stand. And look, if that's what God has placed a conviction on them, then that's what God has done, and it, and it is what it is. I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong, but it's this American culture that has crept up of I've got to win, and I've got to be right the entire time. We even see this in the education field. The education field, you think about it, for, for you students in here, right, you go to school, maybe you're going to be virtually learning for some of this year, or you're being homeschooled, which is totally fine, but the whole system is set up so that you can take a test to see what kind of grades you get so that they can give you a number by your name whenever you graduate so that you might be able to get into the college of your choice so that you can do the same thing again and then be $100,000 in debt to go out and get a job paying $60,000 a year. So, yeah, yes, from a college student, she's like, hallelujah, right? But, like, that's what our system is all about. Winning, 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 doing, 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 winning, winning. Let's be a bunch of winners. I want to be a winner. Do you guys realize that the kingdom of heaven is built on a Savior who lost? Like, think about it. Jesus didn't come to win. Jesus came to lose. And through him losing... He defeated everything. Jesus even preached humility, servanthood, going after and making sure that the widows and the, the orphans and the oppressed are taken care of. He did not say, I've come to this earth to win. He said, I came to this earth to die for those and to seek and save the lost so that they may be brought into a right relationship with their heavenly father through me laying my life on the cross, through me pouring out my, through me dying. What kind of king 
What kind of Savior would do that except for a Savior who is living on mission with the purpose of the kingdom of God and establishing it here on this earth? So you see in this text, let me just read a little bit of it again. You see in this text that, you know, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist the one who is evil. Do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, let them slap you on the left. If anyone would sue you to take your tunic or your house or your 401k, let them have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, whenever Jesus was talking, this was not foreign to them, to his Jewish audience. Because the Romans were enthroned at the time, and, and they ruled over all of Israel, all of Jerusalem, all of Capernaum, all of the Galilean region, that entire area. And, and this is something, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Uh, this is something called uh, portering, portering. And the way that it would work was a Roman official would show up, and he would say, hey, I want you to stop everything you're doing, and I want you to carry my stuff as we travel to Jerusalem. Or I want you to stop what you're doing, and I want you to help me out to bring all of this, this wood or this stone over here. And so you would literally be about your day as a shepherd or a farmer or a fisherman. A Roman soldier had the authority to come in and to stop you and say, stop what you were doing. And so whenever Jesus spoke this, it really, really resonated with this crowd. If someone stops you and asks you to go one mile, I want you to go two miles with them. You, you see this later on whenever Jesus is carrying the cross to Calvary. And he can't carry it because of the amount of blood that he's lost and the weight of his cross and how weak he was because he had been beaten. And the Roman soldier turns to Simon and says, take up his cross. That's portering. And this is what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to enter in to the fray, to be there for people who are broken. Be there and don't resist the one who you think is evil. And, and let, me just, let me just say this. I said this a few weeks ago, and I need to say it again. Look, we have election day coming in like, I don't, I don't know, 70 days, 65 days, something like that. There are Republicans who are Christians, and there are Democrats who are Christians. And we can disagree, but we can still be family because of Jesus. In this church, what I love about this church is we have got some really hardcore conservatives, and we've got some really hardcore liberals, and they can get together in a community group setting, and they can talk about these things through the lens of Scripture and challenge one another. And you know what? They may disagree, but they can still be family because of Jesus. Do not let what's about to take place in America, and this is not a prophetic like doom and gloom type thing. Look, we just know how it's been. Do not let what's about to take place in America and your stance on trying to be right to keep you from the one who may think different from you. But welcome the men. Welcome the men. Love them. Have a dialogue. Have a conversation with them. Verse 43 to 46. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and unjust. Let me, um, let me just kind of share with you guys a little bit of a story. Because this right here says, I want you to love your neighbor. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I also say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. June 17th, 2015, a white supremacist by the name of Dylan Roof walks into Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in South Carolina. He steps into a prayer meeting where there's roughly a dozen, maybe a little less people. They're reading the scripture and they're praying. And after the prayer meeting, after sitting there with this group of people, he opened fires and he kills nine of them on the spot. Shook the nation. Many of you probably remember this. It was my birthday. Not like that matters, but it was very, it's very easy to remember this for me. And then there was this nationwide manhunt that took place, and then Dylan finally got arrested. And at his arraignment, two days later, Whenever he went before the judge, the survivors and some of the um, family of the victims decided that they were going to speak before the judge to Dylan Roof. And this is what one of the survivors said. I acknowledge that I am very hurt, but one thing that DePayne always enjoyed in our family, and DePayne was one of the, the women who got shot, she taught me that we are a family that love built. We have no room for hating, so we have to forgive you. I pray God on your soul. And one by one, by one, by one, the survivors and the, the victim's family got up before Dylan and before the judge and said, Dylan, I'm angry at you right now but I forgive you. I'm praying for you. I forgive you. You need to ask for forgiveness. Now that baffles my mind, my worldly mind, because my mind tells me you should hate them, you should want the worst for them, you should hope that they burn in Hades, you should, and you know, couple that with whatever. But because they were Christ followers who were literally persecuted, persecuted based upon the color of their skin, which is ridiculous. But because they were Christ followers, they were not attacking him, but they were praying for him. They were forgiving him. And they were pro this was probably a progress that they had to walk through, and some of them are probably still walking through. Several months later, whenever Dylan started to talk about what was going on, in an interview with, and I don't remember if it was a social worker or with, in front of the judge or, or what, but Dylan said, I almost couldn't go through with it. And they asked him, why was it that you almost couldn't go through it? And he said, because of how they loved one another. Now, this is a tragic event that shook our nation, that shook this church. Injustice should be served. 
But the person's response was, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I I think about how often in our lives we have had people who have hurt us, people who have come against us, people who have spoken ill will against us, and our response is retaliation. I'm going to get you. I'm going to cut you. I'm going to, you know, slander you. I'm going to, whatever it may be, you fill in that blank. And Christ said, hey, I want you to love your enemies, and I also want you to pray for their soul. Pray for their soul. Romans 5, 8, if we can throw that up on the, the screen. Do we have Romans 5, 8? We don't have Romans 5, 8. It's okay. All right. Romans 5, 8 essentially says, yet while we were still sinners. Okay, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love came to us, ministered to us, and he died for us while we were still sinners. He knew what you did. He knew the hate that you had. He knew the anger that you had. And he willingly lost his life so that you can be reconciled with your heavenly father. He continues on. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I think it's interesting because he starts saying, if you love those who only love you, if you hang out with those who only look like you, if you only greet those who you're familiar with, if you only celebrate those who are in your clique, then what difference are you between you and the Gentiles? And he was talking about the sinners, the people who were not God's chosen ones. I think it's important for us to remind ourselves that we are called to be a church that welcomes every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. That we welcome people from all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic classes, and it is our responsibility as Christians to go out of our ways to make people who are new to City Church or new to the Christian faith to feel welcomed, encouraged, and loved. I've said this before, but we are not here to um, have a family experience. We are here to experience family. And if you've walked in here today or if you're watching online, you are a part of the family and we welcome you and we are so excited that you are here. We're on this journey called Christianity where we're pursuing Jesus Christ. Uh, We don't have all the answers and we want to invite you to be a part of that as well. And I think it's important for us. But in verse 48, he says, I want you to be perfect as Christ Whereas the Lord is perfect. Now look, I know you are not perfect and I'm not perfect and none of us can be perfect. doesn't matter how hard we try. But that word simply means in the Aramaic, I want you to be complete 
Well, how are we complete? By recognizing the love of God in our life and letting that love fill us and then come out of us. And so I want to close today by addressing two groups of people real quick. The first one is I want to address victims. And by victims, I mean if you have been a recipient of someone who has dished hate upon you for whatever reason it may be, if you have been someone who maybe your father abused you as you were growing up, if you have been someone who has been attacked at work or made fun of, or uh, maybe you've been a victim of something much, much deeper and much, much more personal, I want to let you know today that your Father in Heaven loves you. I want to let you know that you are not damaged goods, that God has still got a plan for your life. God has still got a purpose for your life. And because of the cross of Jesus Christ, every bit of pain, every bit of hurt, every bit of turmoil, he can wash away and he can heal. I'm not saying you're not going to forget it. But he can bring that fullness. He can bring that love. And he can not just put a Band-Aid over an open wound, but he can literally go in there and do surgery and remove the root cause of that and give you freedom in your life. And so I want to let you know you are not damaged goods. Jesus loves you. Your heavenly Father loves you. And then the other person I want to address is the perpetrators. If you've been the person who you've dished this out to other people, you've been the person who you've, um, you've exclaimed hate on someone, or you have attacked someone, or you have made fun of someone for whatever reason, I want to let you know that there's still redemption for you too. There's redemption and there is grace for you too. And one of the first things that you can do is by offering forgiveness to your Heavenly Father. Simply go and saying, God, I messed up. I was angry and I went off on this person. And I said a lot of stuff that I really shouldn't have said. I demonstrated hate by my actions. And so offering that to God is forgiveness. And then the second thing is going to the person who you offended and repenting to them. And asking for forgiveness. And I'm not talking about five-year-old Judah. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I don't know if your kids do that, but that's what my son does. I'm talking about sitting down, having a conversation, or maybe on a Zoom call or a telephone conversation, and saying, hey, I wronged you. And what I did was completely wrong. And I'm repenting to you. And I know that things may not be where they were in the past, but I want to let you know that I'm willing to take a step. I'm willing to extend and offer forgiveness. And I understand if you need time to heal, you need time to walk through this, I just want to let you know I'm asking for forgiveness, and I'm sorry. The powerful thing about the cross is that the cross is healing for the victim and the perpetrator. The cross is healing for the victim and the perpetrator. It plays out in two different ways. But the cross of Jesus Christ can bring healing to both. And so as we go on with the rest of this year, with the rest of our week, I just want to challenge all of us. Let's be perfect. And by that I mean let's love one another. Let's be men and women of integrity. People that are not going to retaliate with anger, but people that will walk out this love that Christ has extended to us so that people may see God and his glory in our lives.
You know, if you've sitting here and maybe that's you, but you're saying, Michael, that's great. I just don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to let you know that he died for you too. He lost his battle so that he could overcome your sin, overcome your, your, your defeats, overcome your brokenness, and to give you right reconciliation, a right standing with your Heavenly Father. And I'd like us all just to stand up. We're going to close out with one more song. But if that's you today, I want to invite you to a simple prayer, just to say, Jesus, I give you my life. And just let him come into your life. If you're watching online, simply just saying, Jesus, I give you my life. And letting Jesus take complete troll and lordship and speak to your life. Heal where there needs to be healing. The other thing I want to say is, if you're here today and if you need prayer, we're going to have our prayer team come forward. We've got two spots on either side of the stage. And maybe you've been a victim. And it's been really hard for you to walk this out, walk this through. Well, I want to let you know that there is a God who loves you, who died for you, but he also gave you community called the Church of Jesus Christ. And we want to come alongside you and we want to pray with you and believe for your healing, believe for God to do what only God can do. Or maybe you've been that perpetrator and you've just been so angry and bitter at all of humanity and you need help walking that out. If that's you, I want to challenge you to come up and get prayer. And prayer team, you guys can go ahead and, and come on up. I know normally we wait till following, but I just want to create this space right now. But if this is you, we want to pray for you. Because we believe that there is power in prayer. Last thing before we sing is if you did give your life to Christ today or you're watching online, please let us know. We do have a gift for you, a book in the back that we would love to give to you. Uh, that talks about what the cross does for our eternal salvation. But let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for every person here. And Lord, I just ask that today your healing would be in this room, God. Today, for people who are victims, that you would bring healing. For people who are perpetrators, you would bring a brokenness and a healing as well. Father, I thank you for your cross and that it is intended for all of us, Jesus. Let us rest in your grace and rest in your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray.